And welcome to Battle of the Atom! This is your exclusive source for all things relating to taking three X-Men stories and listing them in order of best to worst. It's a very niche market. My <laughs> name is Zach Jenkins, and with me as always is Adam Reck. Adam, how are you doing this fine evening? I am good. I think we've cornered that market considering we created it. <laughs> I mean, look. I, I gave us very, very tight parameters to work in, but I think we're doing an excellent job in those parameters. I hope so. I, I hope people think the same. We'll see. Everybody yeah. seems to be so angry at us about Inferno, so uh, we'll make up for it eventually. <laughs> we will. I mean, I, this has been an interesting podcast so far. I think we have, like, the X Factor, that mm. little special something that a lot of people are missing. Yeah. It's, you know, it'd be cool if there were multiple series that involved X factors, uh, and maybe we could talk about them. All new ones, perhaps, or some <laughs> that investigate things or. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we're talking about X factor today, guys. <laughs> this is, this is an all X factor episode. This is actually the, we're going to be looking at the first arc of three kind of different eras of X factor. And I think it's going to be three good ones. Uh, this is all because Patreon supporter Charlie Davis wanted, uh, wanted us to talk about Peter David's X-Factor Investigations first arc, and we just decided to make a whole thing of it. It's a great idea. I love it. It is. That's why we had it, and that's why we're doing it. <laughs> we're just patting ourselves on the back all day. Can, can I use this as a segue? Uh, you know what's not a good idea? The original premise for X-Factor. Uh... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We're talking, we are We are starting this off, we're going to go chronologically on this episode. We're starting off with X-Factor Volume 1, numbers 1 through 6, written by Bob Layton, and number 6 by Louise Simonson, with art on 1, 2, 3, 5, and 6 by Jackson Geis. Uh, 4 has art by Keith Pollard. Ah, this was a weird one. And this this was a weird one for a lot of reasons because you and me were even trying to figure out how do we chunk this up? Do we just look at you know the first issue of X Factor? Do we look at just the stuff with uh, Apocalypse? Do we look at all this stuff? It's very it's very weird. We decided on the first six issues. I think it's a good you know thing because we get the Apocalypse reveal, and even though it's Simonson taking over. This works as a, an introduction to what the series is supposed to be, and thank God that that is not what the series is about. <laughs> I'm just going to say, of all the bad ideas, mm -hmm. of all the bad ideas, I'm going to accept that Jean Grey had to come back for marketing reasons. I get it. I'm, I'm a little mad about what it did to Cyclops, but at the end of the day, I get it. But the concept of, okay, here's the thing, guys, we're going to create this really big advertising campaign and talk about how terrible mutants are and how scary they are and how we have to try and find them. And then mm -hmm. in secret, we're going to pose as mutant terrorists and capture mutants 
to then train them. Like, it's so a bad idea, and no one said, wait a minute, Cameron Hodge. Are you sure you're not going to go evil and turn into a Spider-Man? I just, I'm so baffled that, okay, I like, I, I agree with you 100%. Editorially, we're thinking, all right, we want to get the band back together, original X-Men, fine. If you absolutely have to do that retcon and then let John Byrne have his way with uh, in the X-Factor issue, cool. But... There are so many ways, especially since this book is so soapy, to really make the evolution and the assembling of this team be something organic and interesting. And this is none of those things. It is the worst possible motivation to get these five characters together. And then when they do, everybody is just kind of like, you know, like I said, it's a soap opera. So everybody's very dramatic and angsty about it. (laughs) and you know clearly there was an effort made that the team had to be assembled by the end of the first issue and already fighting villains and in costume and it's like why uh (laughs) because this this still could have been the soapy weird thing that it is but you know i don't know it's this is wacky it's just not very good is the problem like first that plot's bad second cyclops is written horribly. So yeah. much of this book is about, okay, let's retcon things back to the original X-Men and the way they originally were. Like, Beast loses his powers in the third issue. Or, not his powers, but loses his uh, bestial form sure. in the third issue. Yeah. And it's just, you're taking the X-Men and bringing them back to their most boring. What are you guys thinking? It, I, I don't understand weird... the fetishization around the O5. Just as a concept. Well, they aren't yeah, the most it's a very strange uh, editorial edict to say that not only did the five characters have to be together, but all this stuff that happened to them or all the stuff that happened, you know, around them or even what they look like, we strip it all down, you know, and that doesn't, doesn't really work. You know, it doesn't really make any sense. And by page 16, we got Scott leaving Madeline Pryor out to dry. It's the worst. It makes no sense character wise where we left these guys in uncanny so it's baffling yeah Um, i mean look we're ripping pretty hard into the first issue because the first issue is oversized and bad yeah but also this book takes an extremely long time to get its footing i mean six issues is half a year uh for them to figure out like what is this team what is even the premise of this book who are these villains and what is the mastermind behind them? Like, I still love uh, that the original concept was that the owl was going to be in charge of these uh, these criminals that they're fighting over the first couple of issues. It's like, which, what? Which, frankly, would, uh, like, it would, in retrospect, make it less weird when it's Apocalypse? Because Apocalypse shows up at the end of issue five, and then you have to figure out, okay, wait, what was his plan? How does this how does this tie into the apocalypse that everyone knows and loves from you know X-Men? Well, and <laughs> you could say about that about Apocalypse at just about every appearance, you know, like what what's his deal? I don't know. What's his Apocalypse, power set? Well <laughs> you know Apocalypse is always a better idea than he is like an actual active participant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. he does look pretty neat. Yeah, he's a good thing he's, to be afraid of, you know. Yes. 
Well, occasionally that pays off, but not very often, especially not here where he's just another supervillain that kind of pops up and we don't really, you know, we don't know what he is so far. He does get wacky inflatable flailing hammer arms, though. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Like when Simonson jumps on the book in six, she Mm -hmm. tries to do a lot of she tries to push it in the right direction and it starts to get there. It takes it still takes a little bit. It, It really takes till about uh shoot uh mutant massacre for the book to really try and know what it wants to be yeah and once it hits its stride i love x factor you know yeah. I, I it's a great book i really enjoy when both the simonsons are working on it and mm-hmm. it's great but this is not that period of x factor and it is uh i don't think it's very good i mean let's let's talk about let's talk about these issues cuz th- in very brief form because they're a little bit one shots with an overarching story with the Alliance of Evil. We we right. went through issue one well enough. It's a weird bad story that ends up they get Rusty Collins who has never been interesting. Poor Rusty. Poor Rusty. No, you know what? Forget Rusty. He's the worst. <laughs> uh, issue two, they fight Tower, mm-hmm. who is best known for being the only mutant the executioner ever actually executed. Mm-hmm. Issue three, they fight uh, Artie Maddox's dad, and then That's Artie. Sure, we get Artie out of this. That's kind of cool. You, well, you get right. cool things out of it. You get Artie. Issue four, they fight Frenzy, who yeah. ended up also very cool. Well, look, no Frenzy. Tre- Frenzy in 2011 is very cool. Frenzy in 1986 <laughs> is uh... yeah. There's there's uh, seeds of things that are cool here, right? You fight the rest of the Alliance of Evil, who are somehow worse than Frenzy and Tower, and then you fight yep. a weird version of Apocalypse. Yeah, I mean that's a good summary. That's well, that's and everybody all walks around and yeah, and everybody walks around either in their costumes or in their underwear and robes and yells at each other. <laughs> it's it's too soapy for the X Men, and that shouldn't be a thing. Oh, that's no, weird. It's weird. It this right. this is a weird story. Though I am curious. Uh, do, do you want to move to ranking? Yeah, I'm fine with that because I, you know, like I'm not. I don't revisit this that often. No. Uh, you know, the, I think the epic collection version of this first arc just came out, and I was like, eh, maybe I'll wait for the next one. Yeah, I'm not super psyched to like rush out and buy another version of this. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to have it all in floppies thanks to friend of the oh, show cool. Thomas Cummins who uh, sent, sent a lot of them to me, which was a lot of fun. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> so, uh, X-Factor number one. Where do we want to put these comics? Uh, uh, I mean, I'm looking I'm looking kind of low here, man. I mean, look, like, we, we didn't say positive things about it. No, no. Like, I, I know your, your floor in a lot of cases is summer special, but like, I want to go back and I want to look at summer specials art. I don't, I want to look at heroes for hopes art. I, you know, Jackson Geis is, is a good artist and I, I like a lot of the stuff that he does, mm-hmm. but I just like, I don't, I don't find a lot of the fun stuff here. So I'm looking down at that part of I'm the okay, list. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like there's, so, there's redeeming qualities to that. There's one kind of okay issue out of six in this. Mm-hmm. And that issue is more important than it is good. Right. Yeah. Just setting some foundations, right? Yeah. So, all right. 
What do you want to do here? Uh, is it better or worse than God Loves Man Kills 2? Oh, it's it's better than that, I think. Is it better or worse than X-Men Mangaverse? I think Mangaverse is more interesting. Wow. I, I think I would rather read Mangaverse again if I'm looking at All this right. honestly. I mean, I mean, if you disagree, let me know, but... No, I'm fine with this. I'm fine with this. So there it goes. There it goes. X Factor Volume 1, 1 through 6, is our new number 38 on the list. I'm sorry, Wheezy. She only did one issue, so she can't feel so Yeah, she did one issue. Yeah, we're not offending her too much, I I think. No. (laughs) So next on our list, the next kind of era of X Factor comes in October of 1991 with X Factor number 71. Written by Peter David, with art by Larry Stroman. This is the government X-Factor team. Mm-hmm. Freedom Force Part 2. Freedom Force Part 2. Uh, this is such a weird team. We're going to... Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking about I the love that. first five issues here. But it's shocking just how... What the makeup of this team is. That's part of why I think it's so charming, to be honest. I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I really like this. Uh, this, especially the first couple issues with uh, Strowman. Um, his art is so dynamic and fun, and you know, to me, that I, I wish there was more of it because his his run on this is pretty short. Yeah, I like Strowman here a lot better than I do when he comes back to Peter David's X Factor investigations a few years later where i think Mm. coloring techniques of the present day did not match well with his art because his art's a little cartoony a little a lot fluid yeah it's got it's extremely dynamic it's yeah it's got a lot of interesting stuff to it i mean this Mm -hmm. is a team with a strong guy polaris multiple (laughs) man havoc wolfsbane and quicksilver and some yeah. of those names are big names now, like Multiple Man and uh, Strong Guy. We think of when we think of X-Men characters, but they were nothing. Strong Guy especially had uh, less than 10 appearances. Had to be less than yeah. that. He was a- he was just a, a cameo character that would appear um, in, in da- Dazzler and Lila Cheney side stories. So, you know, not exactly core. I mean, essentially, this team is mainly comprised of the Mora Metagor rejects uh, <laughs> and, you know, the leftovers from uh, Extinction Agenda. Yeah. You know, like that's who we've got here. And then, and then Quicksilver is here for some Quicksilver reason. Quicksilver <laughs> is such a jerk in these issues too. Like they yeah. push his unlikable qualities up very high. It's weird. Like I, I said this on Twitter when I was reading these, I don't know how I feel about this. There's a lot of interesting stuff, but it feels like the mm-hmm. only character that David really has a good grasp on is Strong Guy, who is the star of these five issues. Like this is oh, this yeah. is a Strong Guy arc with a team around it. Well, I I will also give him some points because what he sets up here, uh, especially in the first couple issues with with Jamie and the complexity that really has not been addressed at this point in that character's life of what it means to have multiple men um, that then results in a callback to fallen angels is pretty spectacular. And it it is basically what, you know, we'll talk about uh, X factor investigations, but that aspect of the story, it it all gets its core from right here um, and building off of that. 
Right. So I think he does a really good job with that. Yeah, I think this is, I think this gets interesting. I do think the overarching plot of this, which involves Sinister and the Nasty Boys, who have two interesting members. <laughs> oh, the Nasty Boys. I was thinking about that. It's Gorgeous George and Ruckus, right? Like, they're the only ones that anyone cares about. Yeah. And Beef, I think, Lab. is another one. No, Beef right? was uh, Beef was one of the late Hellions. Oh, okay. Oh, that's. I'm You're sorry. I'm getting slab it next up. So who strong guy slab, punches into the uh, punches into and through the Washington Monument. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, this is the era of Dark Riders. This is the era of uh, Mutant Liberation Front. So, you know, the idea of the corny, uh, you know, dozen random villains with random names that are just like, you know, two words squished together. <laughs> that's, you know, that's where we're at. And I do like, I feel like there's a certain uh, tongue in cheek quality to the Nasty Boys that he's playing around with that premise too, because in the background of this is also a running gag that goes through his run about uh, Dr. Chalker, who then when he finally goes to attack, there's like, it's a running gag that goes through the thing where every time he plots to kill X factor, he ends up killing himself. Mm -hmm. um, And that gets planted back here in the beginning too. So you can tell the, the the wheels are spinning and I know you want to talk about Kermit. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is this is the good part of Peter David. So uh, working with the Nasty Boys is a dupe of Jamie Madrox, who claims to be the real dupe. And they spend a good part of an issue running through the uh, a couple of different branches of the Smithsonian and fighting mm-hmm. each other. And then at one point, one of the dupes hides behind a Kermit the Frog puppet and starts talking to the other dupe and then just punches <laughs> the other dupe with the Kermit the Frog puppet and it's kind of fabulous. Like this is Peter David is so hot and cold for me. This is a Peter David goof that really lands well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoy reading these. Um, you know, I think that I, I do wish that Stroman had stuck around. I think he, um, you know, tried to jump over to image. He did a couple of, and, and very few, uh, issues of his creator own series tribe. Um, but, you know, visuals, I, I love his uh, sinister. I love the way he, he draws uh, action and, and some of the dynamics there. Um, and then I think this series hits its stride when Casada uh, jumps on. Um, but still, all of the all of the core seeds are here for where, where this yeah. is going to go. There's, um, a, there's a lot of fun. good. And knowing the time it came out, I can see this being a very refreshing book compared to the mm-hmm. Jim Lee and Wills Portacio X-Men and the Liefeld X-Factor or X-Force. Like. Oh yeah. I mean, there was no humor in those whatsoever. So the fact that this has uh, a, a sensibility about it that is going to be more character based and is going to be silly in a lot of respects is uh, a real big shift um, from what you're seeing elsewhere in the X line at this yeah. time. No, it's, it's a very interesting story. I don't think it's great. I think it's very solid. That's yeah. that's where I would be on it. Now, where where do you uh, where do you kind of see it compared to some of the other X Men stories that we've talked about? Well, um, I mean, I enjoy this quite a bit, and I I think that um, you know I re I would revisit this. Um, you know, I like the art. I like the fresh start. I like the fact that uh, David is going 
with sort of this misfit team, um, which we'll see another another misfit team in a in a second. But um, I, I think this has potential to do okay here. Yeah. Um, but I, I know that it's not the series at its strongest quite yet. So I'm kind of looking in the middle of the list. Here. I, I know so it's not as good as we're, we're, issue 87, which we have already covered on this list, examinations. No, I certainly wasn't going that high. Um, I was looking down around exterminators, battle hmm, of the atom. That's um, interesting. Or, that's an interesting yeah. spot. Were you gonna I go don't know where I was going to go with that. I'm, I'm, I was hmm. still trying to figure out, but I kind of like, I kind of like that. Uh, I, I'll say I do think Inferno is probably a better story than this. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll I, I think on that you know, there's cool stuff happening here, but you know, Inferno is this like massive. Yeah, I, I, I think it's better than Battle of the Atom though, because uh, Battle of the Atom is flawed. It's good, but it's flawed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I'll leave it up to you. Is this better or worse than no, Exterminators? I love Exterminators. You, you know you do. I know you do. That's this why is I'm rough. Gonna just, I'm going to let you So uh, there's, you there's on one hand, you got Artie and Leech and Exterminators being just adorable. On the other hand, you get essentially five issues of Strong Guy at his cheekiest, at his best. Like, I do absolutely adore the Strong Guy that's in this. He's yeah. he's the most interesting character by far. And I, I think it's probably fair to put that as our new number 23. We'll split the Infernos. We'll split the Infernos. Uh, X-Factor, Volume 1, Issues 71 through 75. The first arc of Peter David's X-Factor with Sinister and the Nasty Boys. Nice. So, uh, you, know, you know how Peter David wrote X-Factor for a little bit? Uh, you yeah, know how then bit. he took like a yeah you know 15 year break <laughs> or 10 year break or something like yeah, that I, and then just started writing x factor forever not the series x factor uh-huh. forever that's different but you know no no lowercase we'll get to the forever title eventually i've never i've never read any of the for i've read the start of x-men forever but i did not want to invest in a very long alternate universe of late claremont stuff uh, we we should do an episode where we tackle oh. some of those. They're weird, they're weird. But but we'll we'll stay on task here. Uh, so the next iteration well, is not true. This is actually volume three of X Factor because volume two was about a bunch of uh like some human cops in the mutant world, which I've never oh, read. Man. I really want to. It's so this is volume three. It but gets then renumbered re- into the original numbering, but doesn't count the one. six issues of x factor uh, volume two i actually already okay. i already went on a rant about how x-men numbering can make perfect sense with something like uncanny and if they ever add anything that's not uncanny x-men to the uncanny numbering i will just <laughs> freaking scream but adjectiveless <laughs> x-men is just a bizarre mess where it's only on 300 issues right now but you can make a good argument uh-huh. that should be somewhere around 470 Oh, I, I, wow. You've, you've yes, I, you can go through my Twitter history. I just put a I just put a link up about it. Uh, but uh, no, this is X-Factor Volume 3, 1 through 6. Uh, the trade is titled The Longest Night. It is written by Peter hmm. David with pencils by Ryan Sook and Dennis Calero. This is right after Decimation or during Decimation. This is right after mm-hmm. House of M. 
so many mutants have lost their powers, including Julio Esteban Richter. And he's in Mutant Town and he wants to kill himself. And oh. Jamie Madrox oh. and his new X-Factor investigations are trying to talk him down. And it kind of just goes on from there. Yeah, I, I'd say that's a good good point. Um, the, the pacing on this uh, has almost a uh, TV show yes. quality to it. Um, he leans very hard into... Uh, the TV trope of, you know, one person's uh, disconnected sentence then leads into another person's either thought or dialogue on the next page. Um, you know, there, there's quite a bit of that and it works really well. Um, I really like Ryan's artwork um, throughout this. I just noticed that um, uh, Stuart Eminem's uh, inker Wade Von Grawbadger is doing inks on some of this and um there's a real nice quality of uh, like street level yeah. to this that works very well. Cause you it, know, it's about what happens to the mutant ghetto when no one's a mutant, what happens right. to a subculture <laughs> when the one thing you had connecting yourselves disappears and you know, six of you still have it and you have to find a way to keep it going. I mean, this is, this is a cool team. It keeps Wolfsbane strong guy and uh, Jamie Madrox, the multiple man, from the last X-Factor run we talked about, but adds Richter, Siren, and Monet, M. And it's mm -hmm. super, like, that's such a good team. David. <laughs> well, it's it's a great lineup because, I mean, uh, even just these first couple issues, everyone is so, like, curt with each other. <laughs> you know, everybody's, like, snippy and quippy, and, um, you know, there's there's a lot of arguing. But yet, you know, they work very, very well to get things done, even if it means pushing Richter off a ledge. <laughs> that, that was that was that was a dupe, to be clear. It was a rogue dupe. JB yes. had very rogue little dupe. to do with it. But no, one of my yeah. favorite things about this is just how good the character interactions are in this story. How how well mm -hmm. everyone can play off each other. It's fantastic because a lot of these characters have history together. You have uh, Jamie and Siren have been together on uh, boo, 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 Fallen Angels. Yeah, you, you have uh, Richter mm -hmm. and Wolfsbane who've had a relationship in the past. You have Jamie and Strong Guy who have been best friends forever. You have Monet who's never found someone she thought was okay. It's it's great. And, <laughs> Monet well, is great here. I love Monet in this. Uh, and then of course you throw into the mix uh, the the character who knows stuff. Layla Miller. Um, little Miss. <laughs> Yes, Leo Miller shows up, uh, knowing things and killing people, oh. and uh, you know, it I'll makes tell for you a great the mix. end of the end of issue three. There is an assassin that's coming to, you know, get rid of X Factor uh, from a company they've been investigating, and Layla meets him in the kitchen. She's just standing there, and she's just very casually talking to him, saying, "Hey, uh, this isn't going to go well for you." I know that this is not going to be great. You're going to die. And you see that before him, she had undone a couple of bolts and, and put this guy exactly in the right position so that he was going to get a bunch of water dumped on him and then electrocuted to death. And it's yeah. just terrifying I'm, picture of I'm Layla Miller. I know stuff. And, and I, I want to point out, I mean, this is what's great about that is that 
like there's a good almost 13 pages in between when Monet has a side conversation with Layla about a broken handle on a faucet and then the payoff of the electrocution of the bad guy. Like there's a, a real gap there and it's, you know, there's very smart writing happening here throughout. Um, there's this background story of a riot happening in the streets of mutant town. Um, there's another storyline that involves uh, this organization called the singularity. Um, there's an abduction that happens with siren and all of it. It just flows from one thing to the next very, very naturally. Um, it's, it's good. Like there's a know? reason why anytime someone brings up, they should do an X-Men based TV show. This run of X Factor is one of the first things people say because it's very serialized. It relies heavily on character mm -hmm. drama, not mutant antics. And it's just it's... a lot of fun. I this is this is yeah. David writing like the best he can. This is something that I absolutely adore the early parts of this. This run goes on for a very long time. Like, this run goes through 270-some issues. And then becomes all new X-Men. Yeah, after it, doesn't it? 271 or something like that. I forget the exact issue where it changes okay. over. They do all new X-Factor yeah. for about 20 issues that doesn't hit this height at all. Like, this is, this is if not my favorite Peter David X-Factor stuff, it's up there. This first, especially this first, like, 50 issues of this run, I adore those. They are mm -hmm. great, real page turners. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I think what works really well for it is just what you mentioned is that, you know, when people talk about making an X TV show, you can see this being a TV show because there are not a tremendous, I mean, aside from, you know, Wolfsbane uh, transforming or, or Siren uh, flying, there's not like, we're not heavy on big uh -uh. set pieces here. This is ground level detective work, conversations, um, you know, interactions with police and people, and it yes, works really so really much well. of this works just by people talking to each other, and I, I mm -hmm. think that is just fantastic. Yeah, Sook does a really good job. Um, oh with yeah, expressions. Uh, so you know, you get a lot of the character beats not from necessarily the dialogue or uh, you know a thought box or whatever but just the looks on people's faces are the punchlines to some of the jokes and it yeah, works the very, only very thing well. i think sook struggles with is wolfsbane mm -hmm. in her transformed state that always feels like and maybe it has to do with some of the inking but it feels like someone photoshopped a wolf's head onto a human body there there are a couple of examples of that and i'm i'm also curious if maybe that's calero versus sook depending on the issue but you're right there there's some variations on what <laughs> rain looks like in wolf's form and there there's one page in particular where it actually looks like a dog there are examples of that but i honestly like it doesn't take me out of the story it doesn't detract from the the you know what's going on and what the interactions are so i think we both enjoy this quite a bit Where i like it better than it? david's first arc of the government team i do too i hmm this is now this is where it gets tough i'm not sure if this i don't think this is better than examinations i don't i don't i don't know okay i think that might be a good I place think part for of it i like better yeah. part of it i don't i know i actually i'm probably 
I'm not as hot mm-hmm. on examinations as a lot of people are. So that that plays into it. I, I think as a standalone issue, examinations has that classic quality that a lot of people revisit. And they, you know, they think of it as this standalone great issue of Peter David's work. And if you're going to pick one issue of Peter David comics to go back and look at, it's probably that one. Um, so I think that's a good place to put it on the list. Um, is, yeah, because right below, below that, below we that. have Giant Size X-Men number one at 16, Executioner Song at 17, Messiah War at 18. I think this is better than all of them. But right above that, we've got X-Men so, 92, The World is a Vampire, and then What If Wolverine Was Lord of the Vampires. I kind of think I like those better. So I, I, I think that the new number 16 is probably a really good spot for this. Perfect. We, we did it. We solved, it we solved our list puzzle. <laughs> so that that wraps it up we now have 42 42 items on this list which you can uh you know go on xavierfiles.com and see the list i think there's actually a link if you just swipe over to the episode notes you can get to the master master list nice. i'm like 99 percent sure that's there i'll probably make sure it's there while you're listening to this it'll exist there i'm pretty sure you're right like if it's not I'm while sure i'm recording right. it it will you while you listen to it that. We're going to wrap up the podcast now because I apparently have stopped saying words right. Uh, First and foremost, I want to say thank you to Charlie for supporting us on Patreon and suggesting X-Factor Investigations 1 through 6. That kind of support, it allows this podcast to exist. It allows, you know, everyday folks like me and Adam to spend a half hour talking about X-Men stuff. Thank you. If you, uh, you if you can't donate monetarily, you can always leave us a rating or a review or just drop us a line on Twitter. I'm at Xavier Files, and I'd love to hear people's thoughts on the show. Beyond that, if you want to go to XavierFiles.com, I have weekly articles all about X-Men. I believe as you record as I record this and as you listen to it, I will have just finished a article on Taki the WizKid from exterminators yeah that's good that's gonna be an interesting one i haven't written it yet or even started research but i only know of like seven issues (laughs) that he's in so it's gonna be an interesting one to write i'm gonna get to talk about exterminators a lot though which okay if if i haven't gotten a chance to talk about that book enough there you go oh now adam (laughs) if they want to uh find you online see you talk about exterminators at length where can people do that? <laughs> Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. And uh, if you'd like to see drawings and illustrations, I'm at adamreck.tumblr.com. I follow him on Tumblr. It's good for buds. Uh, <laughs> beyond that, we have a special announcement for next week. You're going to want to tune in because we have the one, the only dennis hopeless who's gonna be uh he's gonna be joining us on the show we're gonna talk to him about all of his new and exciting x-men stuff i'm really pumped about that that wasn't something we planned mm-hmm. out i made a dumb joke about Airbud to him once and he was intrigued <laughs> so we may just end up ranking the air bud movies i mean we may not talk about x-men at all i mean hold on happens. hold on is there <laughs> i've not seen the entire Air Bud Cinematic Universe, including the Air Buddies and the Santa Buddies franchises. <laughs> I don't think I've seen any of them, so wait, you'd be wait, ahead of wait, me if wait, you've wait. seen some. Adam, have you never seen an Air Bud? No. There's a dog no. who plays basketball, and then he plays football, and then, like, volleyball and soccer. 
Yeah, I sort of missed that boat. Uh, you know, we had Beethoven, and that was sort of a thing for a while. Oh. But, uh, then, you know, Air Bud came along, and and you and have children. You have I know, children but, at the Air Bud appropriate age. That, you are you are very correct, but uh, it has somehow escaped us. So uh, I don't know. Maybe that just needs to be its own special. We'll see. Uh, we'll see, everyone. <laughs> this has been the Air Bud Hour. I'm your host Zach Jenkins. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Battle of the Atom. Uh, we hope you survived the experience. Get it!